what is going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the dishes and dimes podcast i'm your host christian oblena and it's friday june 11th it's 2:40 in the afternoon right now we are about two hours away from the start of game three for sixers hawks and then later that night we have later tonight we have denver um in denver we got the nuggets and the suns in that series let me uh start off by saying i'm sorry for the wait on the episodes i just came back from a weekend trip in las vegas vegas it was 100 open uh this past weekend was the first weekend that everything opened up and you know how it goes over 21 my first time being in vegas did the whole thing gotta say i had a lot of fun but we're back we're here talking basketball i just wanted to make this quick episode just talking about all the things we've been watching in this in the second round series because it's there are a couple of interesting things that are brewing in each of these series um and a lot of things that we can take from just from the from the first two games of all of these series uh three games from the nets and bucks uh so uh, as all the other series moves on to the lower seeds home court, I uh, just want to talk about what I've been watching throughout this week and what I've been noticing and some other key things just about every series. So let's get right into it. Uh, last night, we had the Nets and the Bucks game three, one of the weirdest games or one of the weirdest postseason games that uh, I've watched in a very long time. Uh, we we've saw obviously in game two the Nets blowing out the Bucks early in the first half. It was never a contest, so this was a must win. And right off the bat in the first quarter, Bucks they're up. I think like twenty eight to nine at one point at the end of the first quarter, maybe thirty to nine it might have been. And the Nets kind of scratched and clawed their way back with their second unit out there in the second quarter and it wasn't like Kyrie or KD was put in there early in the second quarter to just start launching threes or launching shots they kind of just kept moving at their normal pace that they as they were in the first quarter it looked like you know in the first quarter it was just like the bucks this is the game to win this is the game of their lives they're fighting for their lives pretty much at this point they're down 2-0 you can't go down to 03. That's just impossible. If you get at least one at home, you feel better about yourself entering game four, right? Game three. That's always the kind of the turning point of each series. But first quarter, Nets look like they rolled out of bed. The Bucks just playing super hot. Uh Giannis was taking it to the to the cup almost every time he had it. Uh Blake Griffin got in foul trouble. And you had this perfect storm of the Bucks paying for their lives and the Nets just kind of going through the motions of this game. And it's it started off like, okay, I get this is just me one of those game threes where the Nets didn't really take this game seriously. The Bucks, the Bucks needed to really win this game to feel good about themselves. We've seen these these game threes so many times watching basketball. And the second quarter started and it's Mike James and and Bruce Brown was dominating on the offensive end. Uh, Shamit, Joe Harris, a lot of the role players were kind of scratching and clawing their way back into this game. And the Bucks were just going away from what was working in the first quarter. 
you know, Giannis was taking more jump shots. He, he wasn't finishing as strong at the rim. Uh, later in the game, they also called him on a 10 second, 12 second, 10 second, um, a free throw violation. I just saw a, a tweet earlier. It was like they played Usain Bolt running a hundred meter dash and they put that next to Giannis at the free throw line. And geez, I mean, that's embarrassing, but it's crazy how they're still, how they're calling it now, especially after that first time in game one against the heat, they're just more aware of it. And it sucks for Giannis and the Bucks because they, I don't think they ever called it once in the regular season. And now they're continuing to call it now in the playoffs. And that just throws off his whole rhythm. He, you know, how in free throws, it's a muscle memory thing. It's, it's a, it's a routine. And if you're out of that routine, then throws off that whole kind of process. And so shooting free throws becomes much harder, um, you know, to shoot than it was for him in the regular season. And that's not going to go well for Giannis if they're just going to keep rushing him at the line. And it gives the Nets more of an advantage if they just want to hack him, if they need to get back into a game. Um, the three-pointers are always also a problem. I think Giannis took, I, I need to check the stats here. Giannis took way too many threes. He he shot eight threes. He was one for eight. I think before he made um, his first three th- last night, I think he was like three for 30 or something like that in the playoffs or it was three for 20 it was something really really bad and the more he shoots the more the nets kind of bait him into shooting those threes the easier it is to defend him and when you have him doing that and then when you have brooke lopez out there one for seven from the field one for five from three not giving you anything else in in defense, I mean they're they're playing drop coverage for Kyrie and KD off of screens, and if you're gonna let Kyrie and KD just kind of dictate where they want to go in the court by doing drop coverage the whole game, uh, they know it's gonna come. They know how to get to the rim. Kyrie's one of the best finishers. It doesn't even matter if you drop coverage on on both of them. Kyrie's gonna finish over anyone. He's one of the best. Uh, rim finishers in the NBA in 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 league history now at this point I mean the 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 creativity and just the the English he puts on on his layups are just insane and then Katie he's like a seven foot point guard with handles that can shoot from anywhere and if you're playing drop coverage like I don't know what you expect to accomplish in this type of series and so it's just all working really poorly for the bucks i'm they almost threw that game kd almost became you know he almost had a legendary finish there at the end of of the fourth quarter and it's just not looking good for the bucks uh they needed this weird really uh strange kind of game to win they barely won and if they can't score on the nets defense then this theory that you know, the Nets just need just amount of defense to win uh, each playoff game because they're just so loaded on offense. Then this trend is just going to keep on going for them throughout the rest of the playoffs. And 
you know, this trend could be followed by other teams moving forward, right? Like the Lakers dominated last year with their size and just what they can do with their size. They had skilled guys with size, you know, LeBron and AD, probably the most two skilled uh, forwards in this league. And Katie's one of those guys. Um, Harden is one of those guys. He's big. He's strong. Um, whenever they get him back and they got these super role players, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, those three are just exactly what you want in a title contending team, a juggernaut with role players. I mean, Blake Griffin, I mean, my God, his, this series for Blake Griffin is a revival of his career of some sort. Like he's just a completely different player and we can talk about, you know, what he was doing in Detroit compared to here in Brooklyn, but that's a different podcast. Um, the Nets look like they're just going to run away with this series. Like I, it's, I don't know how the Bucks will win this unless they match firepower. And at this point, you can't if Giannis is going to take eight threes a game and only make one. So. Drew has to start shooting better. Middleton has to go at least 30. He has to match Durant pretty much in scoring and just how easy shots come in. It's just not the same. Um, So I think this game three was just an outlier for a series that will eventually go to the Nets in probably five or six is my take. So let's stay in the East for the other series going on tonight. Sixers Hawks. Um, just a couple points here. I think this is a more interesting series than we think, um, especially after Trey took game one. I mean, he was incredible. Um, but first off, how close is 200% is Embiid is the first question. Obviously, he still has a partial tear in his meniscus. That's going to hinder him on defense, especially where they really need him um, to at least be semi-mobile. Um, and... If he's switching on to guys like Bogdan Bogdan or Bogdan, yeah, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, Trey Young, Kevin Herter. If he has to switch up on, onto these shooters, these ball handlers, Lou Williams, I mean, that's going to be a problem. He had 40 uh, points in game two, which was nice, finally. Um, it was a good sign for him, even though when he's not 100%, he could put up a game like that and still look dominant. But he has to be this every single game for them to be for the Sixers to be really good. And where do they find the offense? Is it always going to be Tobias Harris? Um, they had a great game from Curry and Shake Milton uh, in game two. And you'll have some small moments from Tyrese Maxey here and there. And Cork Maz may hit a couple of big shots. But how consistent is that going to be is my biggest question. I think I've been talking about that since... Uh, February or March is that their offensive depth is a little questionable and does it match up with other title contenders right with, with the Jazz launching threes we obviously know about the Nets and how loaded they are on offense um, the Clippers you know Kawhi Paul George Reggie Jackson has been kind of a revelation for them uh, with Phoenix how they're able they're, how there's their half court offense is so good just so meticulous, like how, how it works with CP3 and then Devin Booker being their super scorer. You got catch and shoot guys, Jay Crowder, 
Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson. Aiton has been really good in his playoffs. And for the Sixers, you know, Simmons can't really take a shot. The thigh bowl, you don't you don't know if he's gonna hit it or not. Danny Green has these playoff games where he's one for eight from three. Um if you have to rely on Seth Curry and Shake Milton every single game, if I'm the Sixers, I don't know how far that takes you. And especially if you're planning to win this series and you know, this series isn't even over. You need as much offense to combat the Hawks. You're not going to stop them every single time. Like the Knicks showed that as well. You're not going to stop Trey Young. You're not going to stop these guys from shooting and hitting these shots because they're capable of making them. So we'll see how that series goes. Um, One thing I really want to emphasize is obviously DeAndre Hunter out for the season or out for the playoffs. He has to get his meniscus repaired. It's a tough blow for them because he's been a really nice piece for them, especially in these playoffs when he just came back uh, right before the playoffs. How does this, how does the Hunter loss uh, affect John Collins? Because John Collins, his fit on this team is looking shakier and shakier. Uh, Every time we see him out there on the court, it doesn't seem like he's making a whole lot of impact Every time he's on the floor, you kind of forget he's out there, especially on offense. And he took nine shots in game one, 11 shots in game two, had a pretty good game in game one. Um, And he's a restricted free agent this summer. And whether they choose to sign him and keep him as the asset or let him walk is going to be a big thing because they offered him the, the extension before the season. He declined it. He wanted a bigger role. And it looked like they were going to give it to him. And then uh, Bogdanovich came into the picture. He was struggling. He was injured. Then he's now lighting it up in the playoffs. So now it's a different uh, priority for them. They could keep Bogdan. They can let John Collins walk, maybe, if they really don't need him. But my thing would just for them would just be to keep him, sign him, maybe trade him later if they'd want to. But... We'll see how this series goes for them, especially now that Dungeon Hunter is out. John Collins has to step in and kind of be what Hunter was for them. He can't just be this guy that roams and scores here and here and there. He needs to be a focal point or one of the main pieces in this puzzle they're trying to solve and win this series. Let's go on to the West. Now, the Suns and Nuggets, let me just start off by saying I think this series is over. The talent is too much for the Nuggets. I mean, you have as much as I love Compazzo and this this version of Austin Rivers who thinks he's like the second best player on this team. It's fine, right? They they were fine against Portland because Portland just doesn't play defense at all. And even with the explosion that Lillard had in that game 5, I mean, he was incredible that game and they still lost. Um just goes to show how much Portland was missing um, to win that series. And now that Denver's entering the series, Will Barton is back, but he's not like back, back, you know, like he still needs to work his way back into the rotation or just getting his legs under them um, at, at this point. And you're playing this Suns team who is really great on offense, 
Um, plays pretty good defense on Jokic. He's forcing forcing him to score. They're doing exactly what they want to do with him, even though Jokic has hasn't really had a bad game per se. Um, it's still this series where you look down up and down the roster and Michael Malone, who else, who else can he play? Who else can he get out of Michael Porter Jr. is their second best offensive player, but he needs to be like otherworldly for them to have a chance in this series. They need explosions from their, from their guys. They need a random Aaron Gordon game where he hits like three threes. They need Compazzo to hit, start hitting shots. Austin Rivers, I don't know if he'll have the same game he had against Portland in the last series, but they need him as well. And just asking these uh who are who should be eight, nine, ten mans um on normal playoff rosters, they're asking them to be, you know, third, fourth, fifth best player on a playoff team. And you just can't you can't do that. And that's too much to ask for. So I think the series is over the Suns and I mean CB3 is gonna it's probably gonna make his first Western Conference finals ever and um actually not first West Conference I'm sorry that was no he made the Western Conference finals in when he was on Houston but um he'll be back there and hopefully this time he'll be fully healthy in the last series in the West we have the Clippers Jazz we just had game two last night with uh, the Jazz taking game two in a pretty close game at the end there. And this playoff version of Donovan Mitchell, I mean, we've seen a couple stints here and there, obviously his rookie year um, against the Thunder, against Paul George and Russell Westbrook that year. You know, his coming coming of age party or coming into the scene party, I guess. Uh, that's what that playoffs was. And, and then they they beat them that year. Um, he was amazing. And then obviously in the bubble where even though they blew that 3-1 lead, he showed that he is that guy for them, that he can be the number one guy, the number one scorer, number one option, whatever you want to call it on this title contending team. If you put the right team around him and it seemed like all throughout the year, we were kind of doubting the jazz every single time, like, oh, okay, they just shoot a lot of threes they do this and that. They just run pick and roll. Gobert is he is he going to be that great? Is is he is he actually that good? You know all the advanced metrics go with him, but does he perform in the playoffs? Last night he had thirteen and twenty. He had twenty rebounds. I mean he was dominating the paint, dominating the paint. Um, he was doing what Rudy Gobert has been doing all season long: Defensive Player of the Year award, all that stuff, and. The Jazz shot 51% last night on threes. Um, they're going to keep hitting threes. They're, they're making, I think they've made over 15 threes each game so far. Um, I mean, geez, they were 20 for 39 last night. Like that's, that's insane. And the main question for, from us as fans and as people watching the game was, is the Jazz shooting going to still be sustainable up in the playoffs? Because we all know, we all say it, right? We all hear Charles and and um, and Shaq and whoever on TNT and just people, you know, Stephen A, whatever. We always hear them, you know, the shooting in the playoffs is much different, is much different. And up to this point in the playoffs, you know, it's been pretty good. 
And especially against this this Clippers team who just seemed like the, the urgency, like they weren't urgent enough um, in this series, in these two games it was almost like it was too little too late we saw that late run late run from them in the last like two minutes um there's this one play i I think it was like three minutes left where joe ingles just brings it up the court he literally just walks into a three at the wing and a wide open three you had Kawhi pointing at ingles for someone to pick him up they're going back on d he's pointing at ingles someone pick him pick him up pick him up pick him up Reggie Jackson comes. He's he does the same thing. He picks up Mitchell, who doesn't have the ball, but he's pointing at Ingles, who's on his left. And there's no one out there except Marcus Morris, who has to guard the corner. Um, because some I think it was Niang or it was someone else running to the corner, another shooter, because it's the Jazz. And no one picks up Ingles, walks into a, a warm-up three and hits it. And now they're up by 10, I think, with like two and a half minutes left or something. And that play right there, it just shows like, I don't know when the Clippers, like they'll, they'll have these certain spurts where they just look like a championship team. And then they just have this, these lulls where they're just like, are they even on the court? And that goes with Paul George. It sometimes goes with Kawhi Leonard, even though he was otherworldly against the Mavs in game six and game seven, the last series, they're again down 2-0 and they don't have home court advantage, even though home court advantage didn't even matter in the last series for the Clippers and Mavs, but they're in this mode where they have to win, come back again. They're down 2-0, but this this Jazz team is much better than the Mavs team. This Jazz team, even though, even though they don't have Luka, who was the best guy probably on both the Mavs and the Jazz right now, they still have playoff Donovan, who's shooting like a superstar out there. Like His, his shooting is the most impressive thing we've seen from him in this playoffs. And we all thought he was a volume scorer who was very inefficient, maybe took too many shots sometimes, but he's been really good. And his fearlessness and just his mentality, you could see it on the court. Um, His toughness, it's showing a lot in this series. And I think the Jazz really do believe that they're better and they're just going to keep doing what they do because that's literally what the Jazz are. Like, you know exactly what they're doing, but the question is, can you stop it? And not having, they just lost Ibaka on an injury. And I don't know. Um, can the Clippers come back? They need all their guys. Like the fact that they're leaning on Reggie Jackson to keep them in game sometimes, hit hit shots. It's good for Reggie. I mean, like he kind of re- revived his career by shooting well now in this playoffs, but you can't lean on that. <laughs> There's no way. There's just no way. I think they need to go small. They need to match three-pointers with them. And hope for the best. And hope that Kawhi or Paul George can rise to the occasion at the end. Because having Zubach out there, it it hurts them. It hurt them right at the beginning of the game. Um, Zubach couldn't just stay on the floor. And it took too long for Tyloo to take him out of the game. So, no Ibaka. We'll see if the Clippers small ball can win them this series. But it's not looking good. Especially this Jazz team is much better than the Mavs. So... There's there's my couple points on the playoffs so far here in the second round. Um, even though we don't have some of the main guys we're used to seeing in the playoffs, you know, obviously LeBron, Steph, uh, Luca's out now. 
um, who we thought could make it past round one, but instead they have to pay the Clippers. It's still a really fun playoffs, and we'll see how it goes. So checking out for another episode, please uh, follow my Twitter at Obey Oblena. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, peace.